for our text this morning. We'll take just one verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. A very familiar verse. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We all probably hear this word faith mentioned often, especially around here or in any church circles. You hear a lot of people talking about faith. We even use that word in our name. We are the Apostolic Faith Church. That means we strive to have the faith of the apostles. We know faith is very important. The Word of God says without faith we can't please the Lord. We know anything we receive from God is received through faith. Yet some people still wonder what exactly is faith. If you were to tell somebody who was maybe unchurched, just have faith, they may not understand or know exactly what you were talking about. Webster's gives us some definitions of this word. Loyalty or allegiance to a duty or a person. You've heard of people that are faithful. means loyalty or allegiance. Sincerity of intentions. You've heard of those who would act in good faith. It's a belief and trust in and a loyalty to God. Faith is complete trust. There is an acronym for faith, fantastic adventures and trusting Him. You know, it's not some kind of pie-in-the-sky theology or idea to give somebody a false hope. But I like what Hebrews says, God's definition is the best. It is a substance with evidence. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do you have to see something to believe it exists or if it's real? No, you don't. All of us here, I think it's unanimous. There's at least one thing we all agree on that we can't see but we believe in. That is air, oxygen. I'm a firm believer in oxygen. So are you. It would be foolish to say it doesn't exist. We don't see it, yet we know it's a very real substance. There's evidence. Obviously, we're all here breathing it in. That's the evidence. Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Human reasoning would say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Faith in God says, I'll believe it before I see it. There's a story told of a small farming community that was suffering a terrible drought, and the crops were drying up, the cattle and the livestock were dying. It was putting a tremendous financial burden on the community. People were getting desperate. So one afternoon, the, one of the local ministers decided to have a prayer meeting So they gathered outside the church, and the pastor said as he looked out into the crowd there, he said something caught his eye. One girl about nine years old showed up in the middle of that crowd with a bright red umbrella. He said he remembered, he realized, 
A lot of people came to ask for rain. She actually came expecting it to rain. So faith is believing before we see the results. Some people say, well, if I could just see a miracle, then I'd believe. Well, sometimes that was the case. The Lord performed many miracles, and it said after people witnessed those things, they believed. But just as often, it wasn't the case. We read an account in John chapter 11, beginning at verse 41. Again, a very familiar account. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And verse 53 says, Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. If anything would be certified as a bona fide miracle, I'd say this would be one of those things. Lazarus had been dead four days. Decay had actually begun to set in. He began to stink. And yet, Jesus said, roll the stone away and called him out and miraculously raised him from the dead. Certainly a tremendous miracle. But I think one of the most staggering things about this account is the extent and the depth of the unbelief of some of those that were there to witness this incredible miracle. They saw and believed the miracle. They had witnessed what had happened. There was no denying the fact Lazarus was dead, but now he was alive, yet they refused to believe in Christ. They were so blinded by their doubt and their unbelief that in spite of this incredible miracle in front of them, they refused to believe on Christ. We need to know other accounts where Jesus performed miracles and they actually accused Jesus of casting out devils in the name of the devil. At that point, they sealed their damnation through their unbelief and their doubt. Matthew 16.4, Christ's own words again as the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to him demanding a sign, show us, prove who you are, do something. He said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it. Why? It wasn't because he wasn't capable of doing miracles. It was because the unsaved are not saved by seeing miracles. They're saved through trusting and putting their faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only way to be saved. The Word of God tells us, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever 
believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It didn't say whosoever seeth him. It says whosoever believes on him. John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Not just to those who saw him physically, but to all those who would simply believe on the name of Jesus. John te- or Jesus, again, in his own words, tells us, Blessed are those that have not seen and yet believed. It takes no faith to believe in something that you see. The real blessing is in believing without seeing. It's been said, an old preacher once said, Anyone can be saved if they will put their faith where God put their sins. That is upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there is no other name under heaven whereby man must be saved, but it takes faith. It takes a belief in the Lord. It says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But again, that's only accomplished through faith in Christ. The Lord reminds us too, anything we receive from the Lord, we receive it through faith. James 1, verse 6 and 7. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So we must believe before anything else. Faith comes first. We know that. Again in John chapter 6. Verse 28 and 29, Jesus' disciples came and they said uh, they were were interested in doing the work of the Lord. They wanted to serve the Lord. So they came and they, they asked him a question. They said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? You ever wondered that? What does the Lord expect from me? How can I know the Lord? How can I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? How can I know I'm saved? How can I serve the Lord? Well, ready for the answer? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him who he hath sent. Could it really be that simple? Yes, it can really be that simple. Our supreme duty is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ before anything else we must believe. We must have that faith in Christ and His saving power. Now we know James tells us that faith without works is dead. We know that. We also know that works without faith is also dead. We know that faith will generate works. When we're saved, we're transformed, we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. We do things differently. We say things differently. Our motives are different. Our actions are different. We go back and we try to straighten up that old life. We, that heart of bitterness and hatred is replaced with a love and a compassion. These are works, but they follow faith. Faith must come first. Faith will generate works that follow. You know, works won't necessarily generate more faith. The scribes and Pharisees were the perfect example of that. They kept every letter of the law. Jesus said, you keep the letter of the law and you've uh, missed the whole spirit of the law. They loved laws and rules so much, they added laws to the laws God already gave them. 
They exacted this standard from everybody else that they couldn't possibly keep themselves. And they truly believed that it was because of their own self-righteousness and their own good works that qualified as faith. But uh, the Word of God tells us, Jesus said, you're, full, you're like a whited sepulcher full of dead men's bones. You clean up the outside and the platter and the outside of the cup, but inside it's filthy because they depended on their own self-righteousness, their own works as a way of replacing a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Many people do the same thing today. It's also been said the worst form of badness is human goodness when human goodness becomes a substitute for the new birth. So again, we know faith comes first. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. We all take steps of faith every day, even hourly. If you're here this morning, you took several steps to get yourselves here. Maybe some of you woke up to the sound of an alarm clock or you set an alarm on your phone and you had faith that that alarm clock would wake you up. When you reached for the light switch and you flipped the light switch, you trusted that you were going to have electricity. When I stumble out to the kitchen on Sunday morning and I push that coffee maker, I have faith and hope that it's going to work. So far, so good. When you get in your car, many of you drove here, either you push a button and turn a key, you trust that that car is going to work. You don't even think about it. You believe ahead of time, and sure enough, you got here this morning. Someone said this, We regularly trust power we cannot see to do a work we cannot accomplish. Jesus invites us to do the same. I said, just trust me. You don't have to see the Lord to believe he's real. Blessed are they that haven't seen and yet believe. I read a little article a while back about the African Impala. It says the African Impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance of greater than 30 feet. There's a vertical jump of 10 feet and a horizontal jump of 30 feet. That's a lot of distance. It says, yet these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure in any zoo with a three-foot wall. The animals will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. Faith is the ability to trust what we cannot see, and with faith we are freed from the enclosures of fear that entrap us. Well, faith allows us to step out in faith. Even if we don't see, we believe, and that faith is a thing that allows us uh, to move forward, to stake, take those steps toward the Lord. Blessed are they that haven't seen and yet believe. That's why it says we don't walk by, we, we do walk by faith and not by sight. You can't depend on what you see. Faith goes deeper than that. When we consider faith, you can't help but think about Abraham. The Word of God calls him the father of faith. You read in Hebrews chapter 11, that's the faith chapter, but it tells us in Hebrews 11, 8, that God called Abraham and said he called him to go out into a land which he should after receive for an inheritance. God said, go out, then I'll give you this land. And it says here, he went out not knowing whither he went. Before, he says, because before he received, he had believed God's promises. Faith and action. 
Never seen any of these things, but God said, do this and I'll bless you. I'll give you this land. He made other promises to Abraham. Promised to give Abraham and Sarah a son, a child. In spite of the fact they were old, it says, and they were past the natural time of childbearing. I think Abraham was close to 100 when their son Isaac was born. And Sarah, it says, she was in her 90s. It said that they considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. She'd been barren her entire life. And yet God said, I'm going to give you a son. Pretty outrageous, really. If you were going to trust the science, you'd say that was impossible. But we know with God, nothing is impossible. Logic and faith don't always line up. Faith trumps logic and human reasoning. And it says that Abraham staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. You know, through this son, God said all of the nations, and through his seed, all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. We know that promise was fulfilled in the birth of Christ. You can trust the, tr- trace the lineage of, of Christ clear back to Abraham. You know, Abraham received all of these promises through faith. Not only that, but it says, because he believed it was imputed to him for righteousness. That word imputed means to be credited for. In other words, it was his faith. He was saved through faith in God. His righteous standing before the Lord was a result of his faith and his obedience. He chose to believe the promises of God. You might think, well, what does that have to do with us today? We're not Abraham, but it tells us in Romans, these things were not written for his sake alone, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Just like Abraham, we are saved through faith. And Jesus Christ, we're saved and counted righteous in God's sight when we choose to trust in Jesus Christ, when we choose to trust in the one who sent his son, when we choose to trust God and his promises, we're saved the same way Abraham was, through faith in these things. Do you stagger the promises of God through unbelief? Or are you fully persuaded? We want to be fully persuaded. You know, I think of that account where the man came and his child was possessed by the devil. And he was desperate. He came to the Lord. He said, Lord, if you can do anything, please deliver my child. And Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. He said, he cried out with tears. He said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. You know, that's a prayer of faith right there. If you're struggling, say, Lord, help my unbelief. The Lord did, and the Lord delivered that man's son. A desperate situation. You know, we have a choice. We really do. We're given two choices, basically. We can choose faith, or we can choose unbelief. Make no mistake, both of them are a choice. They absolutely are. Well, we know. Again, choices have consequences. What is the consequence for faith? 
You know, faith in its simplest terms is just taking God at His Word. Unbelief is refusing to believe God's Word or that God can do what He said He could or that He'd do what He said He will. That's unbelief. Faith is just taking God at His Word, His promises. And we know choices have consequences. The consequences of faith. Tells us in Acts, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Says there's no other name under heaven whereby man must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. But we know if we pray in faith and say, Lord, save me. It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It starts with faith in Jesus Christ. If we ask anything in faith and according to his will, the Bible says he will hear us and grant us the petitions that we desire. So we're saved through faith. Saved from what? We're saved from eternal damnation. Those are the consequences of the benefits of faith. What are the consequences of unbelief? Tells us that as well in God's word. Revelation 21.8 tells us that the godless and the fearful and the unbelieving shall all have their part in the lake of fire. John 3.18, these are Christ's own words. He says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We know faith is important without it can't be saved. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, how is faith received and activated? Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And James 1, 22 says, Be hearers, says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. So we know faith comes by hearing the word of God. Well, you've all heard the Word of God this morning. What are you going to do with what you've heard? Faith is received through what we hear. It's activated by what we do. You know, your heart can be stirred. Your conscience can be pricked. Conviction can settle on your heart and soul. And you can have faith to believe that God can save you. But if you don't act upon that, it does you no good. Faith without works is dead. So we need to act upon what we hear. No one has ever been saved. No one has ever received anything by simply hearing the gospel message. We have to act upon what we've heard. Think about some of those examples in God's Word. You think about that woman with the issue of blood, 12 years. says she literally was at the end of a rope. Spent all she had trying to find help from some man, from some physician. It says she only grew worse and worse. She had a desperate situation on her hands. But in Mark, it says when she heard of Jesus, she said, if I may but touch him, I shall be whole. She'd heard about Jesus. She'd heard about what Jesus could do. Maybe she'd heard other accounts of the Lord miraculously saving others and healing others. And she said within her heart, If I could just touch him, I'd be made whole. And we know what she did. She pressed through that crowd that day and she 
got to where Jesus was and she reached out and with one single touch of faith, the Bible says straightway that issue of blood was dried up. Dealing with an issue for 12 years. How long have you been carrying around your issues? You know what? Jesus can heal you. If you come in faith, just like this woman did, but you have to do more than just here. You think about Zacchaeus, wee little man. Zacchaeus was a despised tax collector. Not only was he a tax collector, he was the chief tax collector, head of IRS, you might say. Hated by his own countrymen, sold out his own people to the Roman government, cheated and defrauded all kinds of people. But he was miserable. No doubt he'd maybe even heard of others who had been delivered. One of Christ's disciples, Matthew, also known as Levi, was also a tax collector. Maybe he'd heard how Jesus had called him. He'd heard about Jesus. But one day it tells us in Luke he sought to see Jesus. He'd heard about him, but he needed to do more than just hear about Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus for himself, so he took some action. He ran ahead of the crowd, and because he was little of stature, said he climbed up in that tree. You know what? Those efforts paid off. Jesus came by, stopped where he was, and he looked up. We know he called him down, and it says Zacchaeus received him gladly. It says that day salvation came to Zacchaeus in his house. One other example, we think of Bartimaeus in the Bible. It says he was sitting on the road begging there. He'd been blind. I don't know if he'd been blind from his birth or how long, but he had an affliction. And it said when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he began to cry out to the Lord. It says as he cried out, the crowd tried to quiet him down. It says the more they tried to shush him, it says the louder he cried. Because he wasn't going to let that opportunity pass by. Jesus is passing by today. He is. The Lord is here. If you're willing to take some action, God will meet you. He said he called out above the crowd. And what happened? Jesus stopped, called called this man Bartimaeus to himself, and healed him completely. He restored his sight. They all heard about Jesus. That's probably where their faith began, but they had to do more than just hear about Jesus. One had to push her way through the crowd. The other ran ahead of the crowd. One had to call out above the crowd, but they were all willing to put their faith in action, and God rewarded those efforts. It says, if anyone comes to the Lord, they must believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You know, the Lord delivered all of these people. He healed them. He set them free, and he gave them victory. The Lord can do the same for you this morning. If you're willing to step out in faith, you know, it may be just a simple matter of stepping out and coming to these altars. Maybe that's something you've never done. If you're willing to step out of faith, the Lord will meet you. God can meet you where you are. Pray that prayer, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And if you do that, God will bless you. He'll meet you today and you can go on your way rejoicing. Let's sing song 198. These altars are open. Let's come and seek the Lord.